This is Yolanda Robbins, your host of the Parish Property Chronicles. In this episode of the Parish Property Chronicles, I continue my Beyond Paris series with my guest, Kimberly Farrell, who, along with her husband Steve, owned a pied a terre in Paris for over a decade. But in 2018, they decided to purchase an historic winemaker's house on a small vineyard in a hamlet near Saint-Emilion. Let's hear how Kimberly and her family enjoyed their time in Paris and look forward to spending more time in France in their eventual retirement home beyond Paris in the Bordeaux region. Kimberly, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Paris Property Chronicles and for sharing your French story as well as your journey beyond Paris to the Bordeaux region. We are both from the U.S., but can you tell our listeners where you hail from in the U.S. and where you currently live? Hi, Yolanda. So good to talk to you today. Actually, I was born and raised in Ohio, but I currently live in the Northern Virginia, D.C. metro area. All my family's still in the Midwest, mostly Ohio and Michigan, but I am married and I have a son and they are obviously here. My son is now older. He um, finished grad school and he's actually out of the house, doesn't live in our basement, which is a funny thing I'll share with you guys later um, about him, but he lives downtown and loves it. So. Okay, great. We'll definitely have to talk about him later because it's part of the reason why you're drawn, you were drawn to France to begin with. But can you tell us when your love affair of France began and how? Sure. So you will laugh, but it was actually my mom read me the book of Madeline. Um, oh, so cute. I love Madeline. Yeah. So, you know, I still have the book. I loved it. I loved the drawings. And I always wanted to go to Paris. And so, you know, that was always in my mind. I love it. I love a lot of history. That's one of my interests. And it was my first time that I visited France was in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, My school only went once every four years. And I sort of missed the opportunity when they went the first time with all of my classmates. I didn't have enough money, basically. So then I worked my summer job. So by my senior year, so between my junior and senior year, I had saved enough money that I found a program with another group of kids who were going and I wanted to stay with a family. So that was my first visit to France. And I, I mean, again, I, I so wanted to be there. I wanted to go to the museums and I went and visited Amboise and that's where I came home and told my mom I was going to live there. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. So in your high school, you had missed the chance to go. Or was it still with your high school that you got to go, but just with another class? No, it was another, it was another school. It was a completely another school from another part of the state who I knew no one, not one person on that trip. (laughs) Wow. You were determined to get to France. Those Madeline books must've really inspired you. True, 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 true. I really was. Like, I was like, no matter what, I am going to go to France. (laughs) And how long were you there? How long did you spend? Was it a semester? Was it a couple of weeks? No, just a few weeks. But again, it was an obsession where I wanted to be with a family. So it ended up being like uh, just under three weeks. Um, And they went around in France as well as then I got to spend several, like a week with a family. Now, when you went to Amboise in the Loire Valley, was that with the same family or was that with a different family? No, it was with another tour, with the tour group. So we went and then I visited. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, Kimberly, you were like 
17 or 18 years old from the Midwest, and you were like, I'm going to France, I'm going to Paris, and then I'm going to Amboise in the Loire Valley. So yeah, again, because I loved the history of it, right? I had read all about Francis and Catherine de' Medici and, you know, what had happened. And so I really wanted to go there. I get these things where I feel I need to go. So I did go. And then again, I basically picked the college that I went to because they had a study abroad program in Strasbourg. And what university was that that you selected? So I went to a small religious school. Um, It's Bridgewater College. And so they have the Brethren Colleges Abroad, which, you know, in the 70s and 80s, that was like what a lot of people would follow those sorts of programs. Now I know it's much more common, but and I picked that school specifically because they had a program in Strasbourg. And so I went there. So that's how I went to France then and lived for a year again with a family. I had a choice of dorm or family, but I was like, no, I need the full experience. But before we move on beyond Paris and start with your Paris life after that and how we met, when you were younger, for you, what was it like being in Strasbourg as opposed to being in Paris? Really not Paris, right? Very different. So the father in my home was actually from Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And the mother in that home was was there in Strasbourg. And it, because it was just the start of the EU, right? So there had been some offices and things there, but it was becoming more and more European. And that definitely comes through in Strasbourg. They were more comfortable with an international, you know, kids are running around from all over, whether they're Mm -hmm. Europe or America or wherever they were from. So yeah, I mean, a nice experience though. I like Strasbourg. It's just cold. (laughs) Okay. So let's fast forward to when we met, which was probably about 12 or 13 years ago, when you were interested to purchase a property in Paris, and you ended up purchasing a lovely apartment in the 15th. Can you tell us a little bit about that apartment and what, first of all, why you chose that area? So of course, another backstory. But um, <laughs> and it was when I met you, you and your team. So we started then. But the 15th, we did look in 14th and 15th. And the reason we picked the 15th was my husband, who did go to my college and also went to the study abroad in Strasbourg. He had spent several years in Paris as a child and they had lived in the 15th. So he's very drawn to the 15th. And even my desire when we wanted to go, I have my love of France, but then he, it's really like going home. You know, it's like when I go to Ohio, it's like when he goes there, he, he was very different and would, um, and enjoyed that arrondissement, right? So, and it was very family friendly. We had our son, right? At that time he was 10 and it was a good area for that. I felt very safe, very comfortable and very family oriented. So the 15th was a perfect fit for us. Okay, great. And we should also mention that you lived in that apartment for a year with your son. Yes, yes, I did. Um, So Steve was commuting a little bit with some clients that were there and, you know, we had purchased it and, you know, you know about the work that you assisted us with to get it Mm -hmm. somewhat renovated, but there were still little things. And then also Dane at that point was entering seventh grade and I really wanted him to experience it. And since Steve was coming back and forth anyway, we said, let's stay. So I decided to homeschool him that year. Mm -hmm. And we went. And so, yeah, the whole apartment was for (laughs) to go and to stay with Dane and to go all around and visit, you know, Europe as well as as France. 
Can you describe the apartment just a little bit? What what period it was from and how many bedrooms? What was it like? Yeah, it only had one bedroom, but it's kind of a barbell-shaped apartment, which worked well. So it has, you know, the living room in the front on the street. So it's the the older house money and buildings, right? And mm-hmm. had a small kitchen in the middle. And then in the back was the bedroom. So it was very quiet because that's off the street. Um, and then we put a bunk bed in there, right? We made the double bunk bed. And then our living room had a convertible sofa. So a little crowded, but it was still, it's it was very adequate for what our needs were. Okay, I have so many questions, but we don't have very much time, but I'm going to ask a couple anyway. (laughs) Tell me what it was like for you living in Paris for an extended period of time, as opposed to when you did so when you were in high school for two to three weeks. So, you know, I was actually the one who was more hesitant to even move to Paris and to buy the apartment in Paris. My dream was Amboise, right? Mm -hmm. I was in a house. And I'm from the Midwest, so I can't imagine living in the city. But then I slowly did grow to love it. You know, the the convenience, like it was a whole new world for me that I could run downstairs to the bakery. I could go around the corner to the pharmacy um, and I could walk. We could walk everywhere. So slowly went from this where I was like, oh, it's the city. It's dirty. It's noisy. Not that those factors aren't there, but Mm -hmm. grew to really love that life. And, And now I'm like, I love it. If anyone asked me, I'm like, oh, I love the changes, right? I liked the difference. And that was surprising to me because I'm very much a country girl, right? We, we, My dad has a little farm. So that was a surprise. And why did you decide to homeschool Dane as opposed to not putting him into a French school? Did, did he actually have the chance to interact with children his own age? He did. And the reason was because of our neighbors. They were so disturbed that I was homeschooling him. <laughs> I know they thought that was the bizarrest thing ever. Um, but, you know, I'm American. Oh, they're hippies or whatever. So, <laughs> so he did not go to a French school. And it was also because we did come back and forth, right? We would spend about three or four months just because it was the fall, right? When I went, then we came home for the holidays. And then we went back to France. And then I also had to travel at the end um, because of work. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been very disruptive whether I had put him in the school in France. So luckily through you, you gave me a contact for a tutor for Dane for um, language. So that really Mm -hmm. helped. And then it was really that back and forth with him. Um, so that's why we just I decided to just go with the homeschool route. And it worked really well. I got all of the curriculum from here, um, you know, and I interspersed it with whatever our once a week field trip would be. So Dane would get to pick where he got to where he wanted to go around Paris. And so on Fridays, that was our field trip day. When you lived in Paris, did you do any field trips outside of Paris with him? Oh, yeah. We went to Verdun. We went to Rome. We went to Baden, Baden. He went to Italy several times because also people came to visit us. And mm-hmm. that was a wonderful thing because usually when we're there, I mean, you know, if I brought a relative or someone would come, you know, again, it's for a short time. But in this case, our friends, my parents who would have never come, got to come and then we got to travel with them. So there were amazing memories made for that year. Mm. How long did you have the the Paris apartment for before you decided that you wanted to go back to your country roots and leave the city? So probably 13 years. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So that was quite some time. So then you decided that you wanted to leave Paris. So you sold the Paris apartment 
and you ended up buying a property near Bordeaux. Can you tell us why you picked that region? Because you've already made it, you've given us some hints that you really liked Amboise, which is in the Loire Valley, which is pretty close to Paris. Yeah. But you picked a, a place that was near, I guess, between Saint-Emilion and, and Bordeaux. You are exactly right. So again, another little surprise. I, we did look in Amboise, right? I did look in the Loire and we, we do love that region. And Steve is drawn to the Rhone because Steve has a great love of wine and winemaking and the history of wine. Every time we would come to Paris, we would go back to Bordeaux or that region, right? I'm Again, I love Dordogne. I love all the history that's there. And he really loved Bordeaux more and more. And so we found it was also, as we moved toward retirement, a nice temperature, a nice location. And the people, um, again, because there's a lot of, there are English there. Um, and then the French are used to the foreigners that are there, <laughs> the English mm-hmm. people. Um, and it's a region that we just found ourselves going to more and more. So it was a nice balance for both of us. So it allows me to still pursue what I love and it allows Steve to pursue what he loves. So, yep, that's how we ended up in Bordeaux. Also, I like the location with that city. So, again, a very similar city to Paris, just a smaller version. So there's, you know, art and culture and and a lot to do in Bordeaux. So, And how did you go about conducting the search? I actually helped you through the purchase process, but tell us how you actually went about looking at property and searching for property? Yeah. So since we did have the apartment a couple of times, we would go down and, you know, we would talk to agents. I would look online. um, And then we started in the whole region. You know, once we said, yes, this is definitely the region we want. I drew the big circle on the map of how many miles I wanted to be outside of this city. Um, Mm -hmm. Then we went for several weeks. Um, So we stayed in Saint-Emilion. And then we drove the whole region. We went all the way up to the top of the Mayduck, right? All the way down. So we circled the whole area all the way over Bergerac and Dordogne towards Sarlat. So we looked all in the whole region that way. And we just, you know, every day I had all the appointments with um, the different real estate agents. But, you know, it's a little bit different for them because it's such a very personal thing to let you visit in their homes. So there's a lot of setup and setting appointments and going to the homes. It's not the same as it would be in Paris. I talk about how I assisted you, but it was really just in, in terms of after you selected the property, and we'll talk about the property in a second, but the, the, the purchase process, which for the first time ever was one of the few instances that I had either been involved with or heard of, the town was actually interested to exercise their right of first refusal and preempt the purchase because it was such a special property to be frankly honest. Can you describe for us a little bit about the property and the land? It was shocking, right? I I mean, I live in the U.S. I live in a community with an HOA and I know about all those kind of rules, but the rule that got applied there was like beyond, beyond what I would have ever thought. Now that we're there, I sort of understand a lot more of how that rule got called up and why that rule happened. And I probably would have changed my approach slightly if in the future I went to to purchase in that area. And it is because so many factors come into play there, right? It's UNESCO um, and it is the winemaking region, right? So, and it has such a reputation. 
and that village, which you drive through it and you don't even see anyone, right? There's 250 people who live in that little hamlet outside of Saint-Emilion. You know, we're like three miles from Saint-Emilion. Mm-hmm. But they're very, very serious. And it is And you know what caused the trigger on that house was because we wanted to purchase the vines that were literally in the yard. I remember when I went to go see it, I was like, they can make wine here. (laughs) Yes, and it is that Bordeaux Grand Cru. So because it's classified and classified, that just triggered all kinds of things. Mm. I don't think they care at all really about the house. Um, yeah, it's the old winemaker house and things like that. But it's those few rows of wine that are, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't even know if I shared with you, but after we purchased it, you know, on our, where our property is, we have that, we bought it from the man in the high castle, right? I call it, yes. <laughs> since there's little castle behind. The man in the main estate. <laughs> 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 a little winemaker house. He agreed to take care of our vines because, you know, we live here. And he's like, oh, they must be tended to, you know, no matter how small they are. So we're like, okay. And then the next year when we came back, he said, oh, I can't tend to your vines anymore because mine are getting in the next level of classification. We're a Grand Cru and he's whatever the next level Steve could tell you. So mm-hmm. I have someone else in the village who can take care of them and he is doing organic. So that'll work well for you guys. So we actually now have to have a separate person, not someone who can take care of our house, but a separate person who must maintain those vines. <laughs> let's get back to the wine aspect later and let's get back to the house. Describe the, the house for us a little bit and describe what works you had to do. Yes. So the house is an old, uh, of course, an old winemaker's house. And then they added to it to connect it to the barns and the chaise. So the the vat rooms in the back of it. And then there's another tiny, like original winemaker house. And then they sort of connected it all. So you can tell that they renovated some in the 60s. It's obviously, you know, the original property from what I can see is either late 17, early 1800s. And then The main part of the house was mid-1800s, and then they added on. So it was done in a bit of a disjointed way. Not horrible, right? Not unlivable. And so we um, have had, and kind of we're dividing it in phases. So first, we wanted to sort of bring the main part of the house back to what it was, because they sort of divided it up into a lot of rooms. Um, Mm -hmm. And we want so many little rooms. So we've opened it up, and we engaged with an architect who's there who does restore traditional properties and then he knows you know the crew and the workmen and people who can come and do it so we've had that completed and now we have some other rooms that got connected (laughs) to it that we're turning that into like a little wine tasting room and things like that so that's nearly completed we haven't done exterior we have plans for that but again it's a process in Bordeaux so not only our village has to approve it Then it goes to downtown Bordeaux for some more approvals on it. And I find it ironic because literally it looks terrible, but that's (laughs) acceptable. But when I want to improve it, I got to go through like committee after committee to get it approved. Because it's in the region, because you have to adhere to historical standards when you restore it to its original grandeur. Yes, exactly. And so that is why, you know, the man on the hill, the the, the main man, he, mm-hmm. I think it's why he didn't even bother with that house, right? He was like, once he started to even investigate what to do, and he wanted to tear parts of it down, but he got stopped. 
um, mm. I think for those very reasons, which is why I think it, it, um, he decided he wanted to sell it, right? Because he was, he couldn't change it that much. So we're still in the process. How challenging has it been for you to renovate the, the house? Number one, with finding local tradesmen, but also now with the pandemic, has it extended your timeline for, for renovating the house? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, we're at least a year behind because at first, you know, they even though we're not in the home, there was still very, a lot of caution. And I think that in France, people weren't even allowed to leave their home. So, it, you know, it definitely impacted. It's It's picked back up. So we seem to be doing better in the current phase, even though I think there's the shutdown. They are able to do more, but yeah, we're at least a year behind. What's left to do? I mean, what, what would you want to continue to do? We definitely have to finish because it has a, a, the front, like has a lot of bushes and shrubs, which they like, right? But it blocks the view and our view, it's literally in the middle of all of the vines so uh, we want that view. That's the reason we have the house is the vines behind us and the vines in front of us. So we definitely need to renovate in the, the front of the house. Um, and then in the back, I also do want to renovate in the back of the house as well. So more the exterior. Uh, final phase will be those barns. <laughs> Since the lockdown, have you had a chance to, to enjoy the property? We did come one time, really, because we, we do try to go at least a few times a year. And it had been a year since we had been there. Um, and, you know, you do we do need to go. We do need while we have a care, a person who comes to take care of it. We still ourselves, you know, it's nothing like yourself to go and check on things, especially mm -hmm. the, the renovations. But because um, my husband, Steve, is an, also an Irish citizen, he carries an EU passport. I, as his spouse, we had to have our COVID test and then we were able to go and go back to the house and see it last fall. So we haven't been back though since last fall. And who takes care of your of the house and the property? It worked out really well. So as I said, when we went to Saint-Emilion, we rented um, an apartment um, from a young couple. They had just renovated it themselves and had opened it. And they buy small properties in Saint-Emilion and renovate them themselves. We became very good friends with them. And now we see them, we communicate with them constantly. And they were like, we'll do it. We'll take care of it. They're very, you know, they like, they they mow the lawn, they take care of the inside. So um, they're, they're really our friends. We love them. He was a, a former policeman in Bordeaux. And it's quite a funny dynamic. I, I tell you, we hear so many tales between him, our policeman, the person who cares for our wine, who is all Mr. Um, you know, like very organic. And uh, and then I have my caretaker who's like, you know, the military police guy. And then our neighbor who also they renovated their home. And he is a, a Frenchman, but he spends half his year in Thailand. His wife is Thai. He is like a psychiatrist. So the three of them just go at it. And then the care, the man from the hill, every time we visit, it's like all this drama. <laughs> it sounds like it would never be a dull moment when you plan to retire. And yeah. do you eventually plan to retire and live in this home? Oh, yes, 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 yes. With, without a doubt. And it's funny, you would think in such a small village, but we met so many people between our neighbor and our winemaker and we when we are there we'll go like to little events in the mayor's office and and it's very close and i wonder if it's also because it is very agrarian right it's very fun we we really do love it and i love the house i love 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 the house
And has your appreciation of wine improved since owning a property in that region? I would say, yes, I'm still terrible at it, but Steve is very good. He knows all the varietals. He knows what it is. And so that house is actually very unique with, and if you look on any map, it's, it's a Presac grape, which, you know, is Malbec, is, goes by another name, Malbec, which isn't even grown in the region, but had been grown in the region. So that's my latest thing is I just search. I find all the wine labels and the makers who had once owned that home or that region of where they were. And, and again, that's really fun, right? To see the history and what was happening and how it transfers from family to family. I would say I go more that side of it, right? To understand what happened. And then Steve's the actual, he's going to be the worker. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, the to care for his own vines. <laughs> have any of your family come to visit while you've been there? No, no one yet. I mean, our son's been there a few times because how could he not, right? He was like, he's so happy. He loves that house. I really needed to renovate and get those the bedrooms in a, in a good shape for people to be able to stay there. And if someone was coming down from Paris, such as me, how would they get there? Because what I did was I took the train to, to Bordeaux and then I drove. Is that the best way to get there? Um, it is. Um, there's a station, though, much closer than Bordeaux. It's Libourne. And so, yeah, it's about, again, the TGV. So a little over two and a half hours to get there. And then once you get in Libourne, it's just about 10, 15 minutes by car. Because you've experienced living in Paris and now you will settle potentially in the countryside. Is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners regarding each of those experiences? Yeah. I mean, again, I think that... It is different, right? It, it isn't, um, and Paris is very different from the countryside. But I would still say in both cases, so even our apartment and where our house is now, you know, I, I'm so drawn to the French balance of life, which is different from where I even, you know, where I live now um, and the mm-hmm. pain and the balance. So I think that, you know, meeting people and getting to know them, it, it's not as hard as, as you think it is. Um, and that's, I'll, you know, I'll try in my crazy little bit of, you know, bad French, but then I find other, you know, they'll open up to me or they'll talk to me. And, and we really do enjoy the time, whether it's, you know, getting to know, and I do think that I do recommend that, you know, that helps you see France, um, in another way than just, you know, visiting, you know, monuments and museums, which, you know, I love that too, but um, it really helps you learn to appreciate France even more. That is a lovely sentiment. And it's important for us to do the things that do bring us joy, especially in these times. Kimberly, I want to thank you again for joining us today on the Parish Property Chronicles and for sharing your story with us of your experience of living and being in Paris and now living beyond Paris in the Bordeaux region. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. For more information on Kimberly and Steve's home in Bordeaux and all of the Paris Property Chronicles episodes and newsletters, please visit my website at www.parismacimo.com or follow me on Instagram at Paris Property Chronicles. I'm Yolanda Robbins. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Paris Property Chronicles, property tailored for you.